broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take. It's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to Stolen Droids Podcast, episode number 261. I'm Zana. I'm Colin. I'm Zook. Colin, you live. I live. You are a trifecta. Again. It's great. How does it feel to once again be a part of the living? You know, I love it. It's It makes me just feel alive inside. Oh, wow. That was bad. Was hey, it? Uh, yeah. yeah, it was really bad. Uh, we are brought to you by our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, uh, stitcher.com, Eagle Moss Limited Miniatures, and Radio KSCR, and by our wonderful friends, the beautiful people at wpcycle.com. Who are they? Well, they're like 4814, only upgraded. Literally, they were 4814, then they upgraded. Now they're WPCycle, the best place for WordPressing hosts. You got to check them out. These guys are awesome. They are off the hook. Did you say ca- WordPressing hosts? No. I'd never say something that weird. Okay, just checking. <laughs> Carry yourself, on. Sorry to interrupt. Yourself, check in post edits. <laughs> check in post edits. Never check in post edits. They're not just awesome. They're also Canadian, so they're super polite, and they get things done fast. They probably like maple syrup and bacon. And blackberries. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm kidding. We know you don't. Nobody likes blackberries. Even blackberry employees don't like blackberries. It's true. Hey, okay, so we're recording this on the night of the 10th. It's a Sunday night, and uh, it'll go out on Monday the 11th. That means that sometime this week, the podcast award nomination times are going to open up. Here's the deal. See, we've we've been nominated for this show repeatedly now. I think four times total, and we've never won. And we really want to win. Let's make it happen, people, please. We need validation. So what you need to do, please, is go to podcastawards.com and go down to the tech section, the tech show, the tech podcast, and nominate us, StolenDroids.com, for the Stolen Droids podcast. We think we can take on This Week in Tech. We've met Leo Laporte. He's a nice guy. He's okay, you know. We got a picture, Zoner and I did, with him. Um, talked with him for a little while. Great guy. He needs to go down. <laughs> Let's break the old man. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> You know, I was looking at the Stitcher rankings the other day. Yeah, This Week in Tech was not at the top of the tech category. Nope, nope, nope. they haven't for a while. Yeah, they've they've fallen, I guess. I'm just saying, we could do it. We could do it with your help. Uh, We'll start putting this out on social media as well to let you know, but this is a thing here, and you can nominate us daily. Yes, and those will open on Friday the 15th. Yes. So, so. just a heads up there. Uh, we'll annoy you via social media, so just be prepared. If we win, I'll do a truffle shuffle. Oh. Okay, we got to win. Is that a threat or a promise? I'm not sure no, which, but either way, it's got to happen. No, that's a promise. 
It's got to happen. Uh, well, way. unless the ladies are involved, I apologize. Then again, ladies, please. If you, you want to see him truffle <laughs> shuffle. And he is single, ladies. <laughs> and now all of our questions about that are answered. <laughs> oh. Okay. So. We just Please, got done recording. Boats. <laughs> we, we just got done recording a, a fun episode of Generic Geek Podcast, uh, where we just well, I went off on Zack Snyder. Yeah, Zack Snyder. I mean, yeah. We'll just leave it at that. Check it out; it'll be up later this week. It's episode number. Which one is it, Honor? Fourteen. Ooh. Now, episode fourteen was supposed to be our. Our Salt Lake Comic Con Fanix review retrospective, whatever, uh, where we had a lot of audio that we recorded get played for your listening enjoyment. But there have been some delays encountered. So I I'm think not, someone died. I, I'm not going to say anything more than that, but um, balls dropped. <laughs> Zook, into our headlines or feedback. Do we have any? May also be why he's still single. Um. Oh. <laughs> you guys are just really throwing it tonight. Someone called the burn unit because they've got incoming. Oh. <laughs> this is going to be an interesting episode. Okay. So. We've missed you, Colin. Oh, we, you guys. We've been saving these up for weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so yes, this week we've got uh, a bunch of weird headlines that all kind of come out of nowhere. And the first one comes up with Google Image Search. <laughs> I love how you put this in the show notes. <laughs> so, okay, so here's here's part of the problem. Uh, Google Image Search, if you went and... Uh, if you search in Google for, quote, unprofessional hairstyles for work and professional hairstyles for work, you get two very different image results. And that makes sense. Two different image searches. You'd expect two different sets of results. Guess which one the black women with the large frizzy hair fell into? <laughs> and guess which one the pretty Anglo-Saxon white girls fell into? Well, I got to say, on the unprofessional hair, there are the chicks with the rainbow hair. There's a white girl with, like, pink and black hair that's, like, I don't know, looks like she stuck her tongue in a light socket or something. Does I, that chick have flamingos in her hair? That may be what it is. And then it looks like, is that Selena Gomez in, in there? I I don't know. But, yeah, very interesting. So, it's not just, it's not just racist hair, or racist things. Well, but and, and there that's is kind a, of the funny thing. disproportionate amount, maybe. Yeah, here's the problem with this. One, Google is not inherently racist, okay? But and as we've learned, we can make bots racist. Yeah. <laughs> What Google has done here um, is that they're doing, they're, they're pulling search results. Someone along the way has told the system, yes, 
these are all unprofessional hairstyles. Someone out there has looked at these black women with crazy hair and said, these are all unprofessional. Google went and curated all of that together and said, oh, well, this must be that. Google itself is not going, oh, well, black people are obviously unprofessional. But at the same time, it's hard to just write this off as saying, eh, it's nothing, when the reviews, reviews are Results, excuse me, are quite um, quite telling. I love the uh, unpro- quote unquote unprofessional black woman who's a doctor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, with the stethoscope around her neck. She's yeah. a doctor. I think she's allowed to wear her hair however she wants. Yeah, that is a good. That is a good point. She makes more than I probably ever will. So. Of course, she has more student loan debt than I ever will as well. So, I mean, maybe you would think she would have learned something by that. I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. I don't know if there's anything to make of this. But, yeah, I think, is this just another one of those stories that we keep seeing where people are outraged because they need something to be outraged about? That's kind of what I take this as, and it's kind of embarrassing to me. Well, like I said before, I I agree with you. I would agree with you on this 100%, except for the fact that it is kind of telling. It is, but I don't think think, um, that Google goes in there and says, oh, you know, obviously we need to make this particular thing and... I mean, it's it's stupid. Well, it's and, stupid. and that's and that goes back to what I previously said. That was my my point when I previously said Google isn't racist. Google is telling us that we're racist. That's an interesting way to look at it. Google is not an all-seeing one that's saying, "Oh, hey, I'll give you these results." By the way, I'm totally racist. Google is more like a mirror, and it reflects back what. Other people are telling it, and people are telling it that black women have unprofessional hairstyles, and so that's what it's giving us. It's the same as the uh, that that Taybot, the AI chatbot that Microsoft put out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't inherently racist. It was simply parroting parroting back what we were t- giving it. And sorry, we're racist. We are, aren't we? Yes, we are. <laughs> totally. You know, though, I've lived in places that racism was a very real thing. I, I don't know. This just comes across as... Trying too hard? Yeah, people are like trying too hard to make this into something, from my point of view. And that's kind of how things are these days. Though. That's how everything is these one days. One person posts one image on Twitter, and it blows up. It doesn't matter how small or big it is. It's going to blow up just because one person who has a little bit of influence on Twitter posts something. You know, I'd be interested to see if we could cause some sort of controversy. Maybe get, like, an international incident going. If we haven't caused controversy yet, I mean, between me yelling at all of Europe, us constantly (laughs) making fun of North Korea, mispronouncing Loch Ness, 
which I still don't know. Maybe I'm mispronouncing. I, I don't I know. I forgot about that. <laughs> I'm just saying, if I have yet to actively piss off an entire nation, it's not happening. But, you know, we haven't used images on Twitter. And I've been trying to be more active on the Twitters and the Instagrams lately for Stolen Droids. So, by the way, if you're not out or if you're out there on social media, check us out on Twitter and Instagram because we're there. Uh, But, you know, it would be fun to make like get all the most offensive images that we can find. And just see if we can cause, like, some social justice warrior college student to have a complete nervous breakdown and make the news. Because, you know, I mean, these people are getting their panties in a bunch over people writing Trump 2016 in chalk on college campuses. If that's sending them into counseling, just imagine what we could do if we really tried, Zook. No one takes us seriously. (laughs) Yeah, these guys were saying these really horrible things, but they're just podcasters, so... They're not real media. Exactly. (laughs) They get uh, press passes, but they're not legitimate. Hey, uh, speaking of uh, real media, no, that's a bad segue. That doesn't count at all. Sausage, Google (laughs) has been rumored they want to buy Yahoo Web's business practices or businesses. Now... I don't know what's actually happening here. And that's a weird thing for me to have to admit, because for almost a year now, we have been reporting on different headlines that keep cropping up from people who want Yahoo to split apart and sell off their assets. And we keep saying, look, if this was going to happen, it would have happened a while ago. Marissa Meyer's actually been doing a pretty good job. Sure, it hasn't been great, but Yahoo wasn't exactly the, the, the perfect ship to begin with. What's the deal here? Well, it looks like Google is eyeing to buy parts of Yahoo now, even though Yahoo still hasn't actually made itself available for sale. They're not courting Google. But what could this mean if Google actually goes out and buys it? I don't know. I'm sure that Europe will have antitrust legislation like oh, already like written crazy. before it's even approved. <laughs> so here's the thing, and I, I've brought this up on previous episodes. Uh, in case anyone has forgotten, I'll bring it up again. Yahoo, on average, actually pulls more monthly visitors than Google does. That's a little fact that shocks most people because they always think, well, Google's so much bigger. Not actually. You have Yahoo Finance, which is an actual news source. Yahoo Sports, which is used by nearly everyone in the industry. It's the second largest sports reporting uh, entity out there behind ESPN. Seriously? I was not aware of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people use Yahoo for a lot of things, more than use Google. The problem is, is that Google through some black witchcraft is able to make money hand over fist from the people who visit. So say for every 10 people who visit Yahoo, Yahoo's only getting paid for one of them. I'm making these numbers up, but for every 10 people that visit Google, Google's getting paid for 15 of them. They're able to make money more that overshadows actually that oversteps their actual web traffic which is why Google is able to make so much more money than Yahoo. So if Google were able to buy out Yahoo's web business, 
that gives them a huge amount of capital power because now they have the traffic and they can make the money off of it. At which point they would just bury Microsoft. Okay. I'm just saying. That just, that makes my brain hurt trying to think about. Just trust me on it. Okay. I, I, like Famous my calculus teacher. Like my calculus teacher in, in college when I asked him, but why? And he said, just trust me. I'll just trust you. Yes, just do that. Um, what's really interesting about all this is the fact that um, there's been other news that also says the Daily Mail is interested in purchasing Yahoo. That's interesting to me. I I don't know what I think about that. I can see why Daily Mail would want them in terms of like a news organization and whatnot. I mean, they brought Katie Couric on and and things, but yeah, I don't know. This is. I have a feeling that we're going to be talking about Yahoo potential mergers for the rest of the year. Probably, probably. Now, as opposed to uh, Yahoo's core web business going to Google, like we just talked about, Daily Mail would probably be interested in taking over the news sources that I previously mentioned. You have the tech websites, you have the food websites, you have sports, you have finance, you have international, you have business. They're actual news desks. And... They're kept separate from Yahoo Web. Who wait? Who owns Daily Mail? Is that Murdoch? I want to say it is. I'll let you look that up. I, but that's a kind of scary thought. Now that I realize it, that's a very scary thought. Yeah, I'm looking here for it. Colin, you're quite quiet about it. I got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) It seems here that Yahoo actually is interested in acquiring bidders, but they haven't started to actually courting any particular firm for it. So it kind of seems like they're just shopping around to see how much they could get. DMG Media owns Daily Mail. Who owns DMG Media? That's what I'm looking at. Follow the money's <laughs> honor. Key people. Uh, Kevin Beatty's the chairman. Paul Darcy is a, a chief executive. Or no, sorry. Kevin Beatty is the chief executive. Paul Darcy is editor-in-chief. Mr. Viscount Darcy. Rothermere is the chairman. So I don't think that they are. A, if that's not a Cobra Commando alias, I don't know what is. It really sounds like <laughs> it, huh? It's totally like... Is he also the Duke of Latveria? <laughs> Probably. Probably. Yeah. Hey, speaking of made-up laws in countries that don't actually exist in Europe, um, the EU recently had someone testify. Um, <laughs> they were advised by a quote-unquote expert. Now, we have given the EU a lot of crap over the years and all of it's totally deserved because evidently they don't know how the internet works. No, they don't. So, um, let's see here. Uh, a top advisor to Europe's top court said Thursday that while the EU rules say that every act of communication of a copyright work has to be cleared by the copyright owner, 
it would be to the detriment of the internet to make hyperlinks fall under these rules. Now, haven't we talked about this before? How, if we like, haven't, we should have because I, this is the stupidest thing ever. Well, I seem to recall there being like some ruling where Google News was linking to different news sources. Yes, that was in Spain. Um, and. and instead of instead of paying them to send traffic their way they said okay we won't link to your stories then and like all the news companies went out of business or something pretty much that is actually what happened not not or something it is what happened now this is this a follow-up on that is this i this is in relation to because i kind of get the feeling that it is so let's let's back up a little bit the rule of the the gist of the rule is is that if you use a, a hyperlink to link to copyrighted material that is copyright infringement so every week when we do an episode of stolen droids podcast and we give you a link in the show notes back to the original article even though we are citing the article and sending you back to the article in the EU's eyes that's us infringing on the copyright of the original article. Which is absurd. I mean, you think about it. Hey, we want to talk about your story. It was written, or it was intriguing enough, or whatever, that it caught our interest. And we want to send people to your site so that they can find out more. And that's a violation of copyright. That's just... Wow. What the crap is wrong with the European Union? They're smoking something over there. I... It's it's so out of this world bizarre to think that... Like, do they not know how this works? Do they not know what a hyperlink is? I don't think they do. Because... It sounds like the beginnings of a fascist extreme when you talk about that. I understand that it may have roots in the most noble of intentions where they don't want people stealing it. Yes, me bringing this up, me bringing up this headline in this way could be stealing the hard work of uh, the, the article that I'm quoting, right? I didn't research this. I'm reading other people's works and I'm quoting their research. Well, in that way, sure, I'm infringing on their hard work. I'm standing on their shoulders. But it isn't an infringement if I'm giving them credit. If I'm saying, hey, go check out this link. This is what I'm quoting. This is what I'm citing. These are my takes on it. But to them, it is. You're not allowed to talk about that. I saw a great episode of The Flash last night. I'm not allowed to talk about it, of course, because I haven't reached out to the CW or Warner Brothers to receive copyright clearance to talk about the episode of The Flash last night. Well, would that be express yeah. written consent that we need, or can we go with implied oral consent? Yeah, but, you, but you get what I'm saying? It's that crazy. It is. It's insane. It know. makes absolutely no sense. I don't understand how Europe can function in the 21st century when they perceive technology and technology laws and, you know, just 
the technology world in general the way that they do. I mean, it's it's archaic to think spite, about. Spite, I think. I, I think just spite. <laughs> They're just pissed that we kicked their butts in the 1700s. Is that what it is? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> That's just what they're running on right now. And France is just angry that we have to keep bailing them out, like every time the Germans cross the border. What's really great is the fact that the uh, the top attorney general said didn't say that this is stupid. No, it obviously doesn't fall under this part of the law. Instead, he had to say it would be to the detriment of the internet to take it that way. And the rest of the EU said, "Okay, we'll take it under advisement." It was like the weakest argument for this ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's stupid. It's stupid. Europe, what are you doing? You're embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing us. We're embarrassed to, to watch you do this. But it does give us content for our show. You know, I it seems to me like we talk a lot about nonsense that takes place in Europe lately. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. And, you know, I do appreciate all the Europeans for giving us content. So thank you for that. <laughs> Most backhanded compliment ever. <laughs> Thanks for being a screw up. Okay. So let's, um, let's talk domestic news now. Domestic screw ups. Sure. We're on that. The FBI guess I bet you guys can go where the guess is where this is going. <laughs> After the news came out that they went ahead and unlocked the San Bernardino shooter's iPhone and now are volunteering this service to other people willy-nilly, they announced that, oh, yeah, well, we bought a tool to do that. So that's how we're able to do it now. No warrant system, no due process, just simply, yeah, we went out and bought a tool. That is basically the equivalent of saying, oh, you want to get into this house without a warrant? It's okay. We bought a drill. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the thing thing that really scares me about this, um, the FBI director Comey, I think is his name, uh, James Comey, he said... Quote, the people we bought this from, I know a fair amount about them, and I have a high degree of confidence that they are very good at protecting it, and their motivations align with ours. What are their motivations? Is it to serve the general public, or is it to make money off the tool they made? This is terrifying to me. I have a pretty good sense about these sorts of things, and they seem legit. I mean, my wife's nephew said that they were pretty chill, and he found them on the forum board, so, you know... That just, I don't understand that at all. And they're kind of being dicks about it with Apple. They're like, well, maybe we'll tell them how we did it. Maybe we'll show them. You know, it just kind of depends on if we feel like it. But then they're going to fix it, and then we're back where we started. See, the problem is here, FBI, if you're listening, because let's face it, I know you're listening. The problem was, was not the tool function of it. Yes, the tool didn't exist, but we always knew it could. That wasn't the problem. The problem was that there wasn't any set due process or established level of jurisdiction. Yes, it is a suspect's phone. It's a suspect of a heinous crime. Okay? It's evidence. But it's also protected personal property that if you have a way in, 
It gives everyone a way in. Ergo, it was something that needed to be discussed and a new level of jurisdiction established. Nope, we just bought a drill. We're in. Oh, hey, you need to get into that house too? Yeah, use our drill. We'll lend it to you. Yeah, this this scares me. And yeah, they say, oh, well, it doesn't work on newer phones. It just works on, on the older phones, the 5C. Sure. If it works on the older phones, you don't think that all it's going to take is a few extra lines of code to make it work on the newer ones? I mean, how stupid do they think that we are? Obviously, very. Uh, but, I mean... And let's be honest, it's not going to be safe in their hands. It's going to get out there to someone else, and then someone else is going to mass share it out, and then unlock it for whatever they want. Have you checked any torrent sites to see if it's up yet? <laughs> 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 no, but I did check YouTube and oh, hey, check it out. Here's a tool. Yeah, um, I, it's from Celebrite Mobile Forensics, and it actually has a YouTube video on how to do it. Now, I don't know if that's what they used, but maybe I don't know. This is ridiculous, though. I mean, there's there's so much just screaming inside of me about how this is just wrong on every level possible. Yeah, I get they're criminals. I get they're trying to get more information. I get all of that. I understand the FBI's argument. But I also don't trust the government at all because it's been proven time and again that if you give them an inch, they're going to take 50 miles and they're never going to give it back. So it's- I have a question about this. Okay. Let's say um, I'm having problems decrypting um, or, or actually recovering data from a hard drive that crashed. Okay. It's my hard drive. There's no legal question there. It's my hard drive. It's my data. Um, it doesn't get read in a computer anymore. And so I need to recover it. And I go out and I buy a $500 suite of software that allows me to go in and read the platters byte for bat, byte and copy them off so I can recover all my data. This is an, act, an actual tool that exists, and I paid for a legitimate license of it. Okay? Okay. We're all on board there? Yep. Okay. Now, Colin there, a month down the line, has the same problem with his computer. And he reaches out to me for help. I say, yeah, sure. I'll do that for you. Or, hey, I'll give you a copy of the software. Do you know what the FBI would call me? I'm guessing terrorist. Pirate, actually. Because they call I everyone bought, a terrorist. Though. I bought the license to this tool. Not Colin. According to the FBI, up until a month ago... If you share software like that, you're breaching the terms of service and the license. You're a pirate. But aren't all pirates terrorists in the FBI's mind? Isn't everybody a terrorist to the FBI? Well, yes. But my point is, is <laughs> should the FBI actually be doing this for other people? Or should they be saying, sorry, you need to buy your own license of this tool? I like that. That's actually a <laughs> Seriously. You know, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, like with SimCity 5, when that came out, 
and my wife installed it on her Origin account instead of mine. I had I technically was pirating the game every time I wanted to play it because it wasn't licensed to me, even though I bought it. So I'm yeah, that's that's a good point, Zook. I hadn't considered that. Jeez, and yeah, FBI. I am still pissed off about SimCity. You don't say. You don't say. I, 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 I thought we. You know. <laughs> hey, can we talk about Jericho as well? <laughs> no, but BlackBerry. Oh, I tell you what. <laughs> Evidently, it's the Priv is so popular, man. they're deciding not to continue it, and they're bringing out a smaller version instead. Really? Yeah. I thought that they were doing. Didn't we just talk about how they're doing marshmallow testing on it? Yeah. Was that just to like see if they could toast a marshmallow on it because it overheats or something? Marshmallow testing. Yes, it withstands marshmallows. Is there a military-grade spec for that? Oh, that's fun. It can sit in marshmallows for up to 30 minutes with no ill effect. <laughs> I wish I could. Yeah, I gain 50 pounds if I sit in marshmallows for that long. Yeah, yeah. I do like marshmallows. Okay. Wow, we've diverged. Slightly. But what a tasty divergence. Now, Luma. You've talked about Luma. It was your favorite a few months ago. I've actually pre-ordered the Luma. And they're in beta right now, hoping to get my unit by June, I think, is when they said that they'll probably be shipping. So, I'm Well, now, still what is the Luma? You need to tell people that. No, I'm not going to tell people that. Tell them, Zoner. Fine. Okay, so the Luma is a mesh router system. They're designed, you can buy just one, but why buy one when you can buy three? And you set them up at strategic points throughout your residence or business or wherever, and it creates an enterprise level Wi Fi network mesh where you don't need to change access points, you don't need to worry about dropping your signal. You just have like this awesome giant. Wi-Fi area that you live in. So, they're popular. Like, really popular. They've had 30,000 people pre-order them. And I'm one of those 30,000. I'm hoping to get my unit early, well, like, before they are available for everyone so that we can review them here. But they just scored $12.5 million in funding from partly from Amazon. Because they need the money to fill these orders. That's awesome. That is awesome. That's actually really incredible. My question is kind of, though, whatever happened with the Google router? I just want to know what happened to the Nexus Q. Well, all jokes aside, though, uh, Schmitty has a Google router. And it came out, and it looked like it was going to be the next big thing. And then the Luma was announced by a totally different company. I need to, I need to clarify. Yeah, it's not a Google the product. That's on-hub, isn't it? Yeah. And it seems like it, I kind of get the feeling that on-hub came out, Google brought it out, and then suddenly saw this come out and said, oh, never mind. This is a better idea. Everyone go with that one instead. <laughs> Well, I mean, the OnHub, you can still get it. It looks like they have two models, the TP-Link and the Asus, about 200 bucks each. And I was actually looking at this as an alternative to the Luma because I wanted some controls and whatnot. But talking to Schmitty, it just didn't seem like it was going to be what I needed. 
I, I like the I like the custom customizability. Uh, yeah, go with that. Is that a word uh, of the Luma system? I, I just really like it. There's easy controls, um, awesome parental things. I just I really like that. And plus, you know, I hate having to switch to a different SSID depending on which room I'm in in my house because of how my gateways are or my yeah my gateways are set up. That's what happens when you jury rig a network with a bunch of existing routers instead of buying actual gateways and whatnot. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, this actually kind of ties into my next one, though. Uh, and we're going to jump a couple headlines into this. Let me pull this up here because this is going to. There was a there's a product under Nest's umbrella of products. Nest, of course, is the smart thermostat and um, carbon dioxide or carbon monoxide detector and smoke detector. It didn't get a lot of love. It was called the Revolve spelled R-E-V-O-L-V, because of course it is. And it was meant to be kind of a hub of sorts. It was a central location for all smart home devices. I bring this up in follow-up to Luma because it just got shut down. Now, it doesn't really mean much to most people because most people never used the Revolve. But there is a group of people who used it religiously and it's not just that it's not going to be supported anymore, right? It's that after this date, it will just stop working. And that date is May 15. So if you have a smart home that you've wired entirely into your Revolve, oh, by the way, as of May 15th, everything in your smart home is dead. It just isn't working anymore. And with this idea of the of Luma's mesh uh, routers... And with Nest's thermostats and with the whole Internet of Things coming into the smart home, this has raised a lot of serious questions. Yeah, this one really bothers me because, you know, I don't have a revolve. A lot of people don't have a revolve. Let's be honest. It, it was not a very popular product when it came out. It was kind of at the at the dawn of the Internet of Things. And then Nest bottom, and then Google bought Nest. And, you know, it's one thing if you've got, I don't know, dozens, maybe tens of people who use your product and you decide to discontinue it. That's fine, you know. The product still works. It can still do what it wants or what they want. You know, they make it. I, it it's working. The people are using it. It's not like they're paying a monthly fee for a service that they're all of a sudden shutting down. They're sending out an update that's going to brick the devices. That's a dick move. <laughs> now, I want to tell a story here. Uh, way back in the day, my ex-wife and I, when we were married, we uh, we bought a house. It was the first house anyone in my family had ever bought. I was kind of a pioneer that way. And uh, there's always those little things that uh, when you buy a house that's been previously lived in, you know, it was it was maybe 10 years old by the time we moved in. So it wasn't ancient, but it had those little things that you don't expect. We bought it, and, oh, hey, this water softener that, that was down here, they said they couldn't tell us anything about. It works. Cool. Free water softener. Sweet. So fill that thing up with salt. Turn it on. 
It worked. That was awesome. Um, oh, hey, look, um, there's extra um, sprinklers up in the garden area that are independent on a different circuit than the yard. That's that's a bonus. That's awesome, right? Hey, look, there's an alarm system. There's a security system wired throughout the house. There's window sensors and door sensors and a garage door sensor, and it's all wired into a central unit. This house has come pre-wired with an alarm system. That's awesome. Until I realized it didn't work. Well, okay. One, I'm a tinkerer. Two, I can never leave good enough alone. So let's go ahead and mess with this thing and get it working. Right? It's just kind of my M.O. It was a Radio Shack alarm system. No longer made by anyone. No longer serviced by anyone. No one even had any manuals on it. Radio Shack didn't think it actually existed. The internet held nothing. <laughs> it was installed when the house was first built and may or may not have been cutting edge at the time. Maybe it was just, you know, bare minimum of what they could get. But the point was, is that it was a part of the house that no matter what we did could never work again. It was just permanently there. And I worry that if we're not careful, this is where a lot of IoT stuff can go. We'll have a smart thermostat, and we'll have this furnace that works so well with this thermostat. And we'll call it the Vest, okay? Because I don't want to say that Nest would ever do this, but we're in a hypothetical world here, right? Where everyone is so excited for Vest thermostats, and it has this great app that interacts with the heater in such an awesome way, and it's... It's online, and you can access it over a web browser, and it has all these smart features. Oh, and by the way, come April 15th, Vest is going out of business, and you will no longer be able to access this. Well, crap. That's a $30,000 heater out the window. Or even saying the heater still works the thermostat function of it no longer works or the entire reason it was so expensive is now out the window. It doesn't work. This is the worry I have about not having legacy support for these things or having them so wired into a home. A home is a much more permanent thing than a laptop or a smartphone. You turn off a feature for a smartphone, people are going to complain, but after six months, they're going to buy a new one. True. You can't do that with a house. No, if you've got a furnace that you spent $10,000 on, and it's designed to specifically work with, let's say, a Honeywell thermostat, if Honeywell decides we're not going to make thermostats anymore, and, oh, by the way, if you have a Honeywell thermostat, it's going to stop functioning on this day, you're done. I mean... It's that's that's ridiculous to me, but I see where you're going. I mean, there's a lot of potential for that. If if companies go out of business for whatever reason, or just like in this case, decide we're no longer going to support this, so guess what? You can't use it anymore. I mean, that's just that's ridiculous to me. Yeah, and and just to remind people, current Internet of Things are not like an actual furnace, but we do have door locks. Alarm systems, cameras, 
you know, other scary things you don't want to suddenly not have work anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of door locks. Door locks are becoming like a big deal. Garage door openers. I mean, those things are becoming more and more commonplace. In fact, I was telling my wife, I really want to get a deadbolt for our front door that's Wi-Fi capable. (laughs) I like that idea. She doesn't because if it's Wi-Fi, it can be hacked. But if it's a door lock, it can be picked. So, I mean, I don't see any difference. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there that if you start discontinuing it and shutting it down, it's going to impact lives. Yeah. Um, let's go into, well, actually let's hit some HP news. Then we can go into a bit of entertainment. How does that sound? Sure. Fabulous. HP just, um, announced their specter 13. I personally think they need to stop naming laptops specters because that bond movie was just horrible. Well, and who wants to type on a ghost? I hadn't thought of that, but okay. (laughs) This thing is, I dare say, beautiful. And I never thought I'd say that as an about an HP product. I think HP products are typically bulky, very ugly. I don't like them. Yeah. This thing, however is just classy. Remember when Sony first started coming out with the Vio laptops and they were meant to look like they were from the future? Yep. This one is. It has a piston hinge, which I'm not entirely sure how it works, but it basically means that it's like a robot arm instead of a normal hinge. It is thinner than a AAA battery. I I don't even know how to say, how to describe how that looks. You know, I never thought of, like, the thickness of a AAA battery of being anything, but apparently it is. <laughs> I just, the the description that they give there, I, I would not compare anything. This is as thin as a AAA battery. Yeah. But Okay. Um, it's better than many of the other super thin ones, like the MacBook or other ones, because those have to use Intel's really low-powered Core M chips. Mm-mm. How about a full-blown Core i7? How about uh, an 512-gig SSD, 8 gigs of storage, 3 USB Type-Cs, 4 batteries built into it? You guys ready for a mic drop? Because <laughs> I think HP just won. I mean, what the crap? And it looks pretty. I mean, looks are subjective. Some people would think this looks atrocious. I personally think it looks really pretty. It's black with copper accents. I do like copper. Is it real copper, though? And will it patina over time? (laughs) Because the last thing I want is my beautiful laptop to start to turn green around the edges. You're not wrong. It's probably not really copper, but it looks quite cool. I mean, if anything, if you don't check out any of our show notes, you should check this one out just for the link to see the pictures. It is just super, super, super pretty. Um, It does lack some things. It doesn't have a touchscreen. 
Um, it's only a 1080 screen. Though, honestly, for a 13-inch, I don't think you need a 4K screen. I'm just saying. What? Why not? If you need a 4K screen, plug in one of the Thunderbolt ports into a 4K display output to that. <laughs> just okay. saying. Okay. But, hey, uh, MacBook users, take note. It has three USB-C ports, not just the one to screw you over. Innovation. <laughs> okay. Entertainment, shall we? Sure. NFL. Evidently, it's a sports thing that people watch. Yeah, I think so. I don't know much about the sports ball. The sport ball. This is the. Uh, this is like the one that's shaped like an egg, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the guys like to to score um, home runs when they cross the fifty yard line. I think is it? Yeah, something like that. Um, uh, actually, I do like sports, so I'm just being an idiot right now. You're being a jerk, like, like most life, most of my life. So Twitter has decided that they will make a deal with the NFL and stream Thursday night games. I thought that was interesting. It's really interesting, and I'm not entirely sure why or how. Yeah? I mean, it would make sense if... It would make sense if Twitter were to provide live blog, right? Like a, like a, a blog role, uh-huh. where if you subscribe to that game you could get Twitter updates about that particular game or that particular team. And it's not someone on the other end updating it. It's like an actual bot that's keeping you informed about how the game's going. Yeah, kind of like the Bleacher Report app does. Yeah, right, right. But to actually stream it seems very, very out of Twitter's normal wheelhouse. That'd be something like I would expect out of YouTube or Periscope or Twitch even. Yeah. Yeah, very, very odd. Very odd. I don't know. Colin, thoughts? uh, Look, you're wearing a, you're wearing a polo shirt with a Nike logo on it right now. You're currently the most sports person on this episode <laughs> and it's a it's a hey, oregon oregon ducks yeah come on now <laughs> uh but no i mean it's... they mate for life and they practice necrophilia <laughs> what <laughs> oh gosh i feel all sorts of dirty after hearing yeah that. right no i just i don't really get why twitter would get behind streaming football games uh, just doesn't sound like they're really a streaming solution besides their quick 30-second live tweet sessions. I mean... I guess well, the question kind of is, sense. is is this where Twitter wants to go with its future? Maybe it's a test trial. But For what, though? Thursday Night Football, that's a big audience that they're going to bring in. That's a huge audience. I mean, if you've got yeah. to make an experimental deal, that's not a bad one to make. No, it's not. 
I mean, that's that's a big deal. But I just it sounds like they're going to be broadcasting full games. I mean, you can't even watch freaking sports events or anything, really. Unless you're a cable subscriber, if you go to the websites, you know. That's a good point. I hadn't even thought of that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, you go to, like, Fox Now or whatever on Roku, and it's like, oh, please enter your cable login information. Well, what if you don't have cable? It's, I mean, and so for Twitter to do this with the NFL... how much revenue is the NFL going to be giving up or how much is it going to be bringing in because of this? Cause you know that you know that the NFL is not going to do this as a loss leader. You're right. You're right. I mean, I remember I used to work for DirecTV way back in the day and I remember that one of our biggest selling items outside the playboy channel was the NFL Sunday ticket. And it brought in almost more revenue than anything else. Oh, yeah, that's a huge moneymaker. It almost makes me want to keep in mind, though, that, that was that was like 16 years ago when it's, I used to work for them. It still is, though. It still is, or have their subscription numbers fallen with the advent of the cord cutting and everything being online now? You know, I my boss at my last job was paying like 200 bucks a month or for DirecTV. And a big portion of that was so he could get his NFL Sunday ticket. Hmm. I mean, it's a people are paying a lot of money for it. I think my brother still pays for it. I mean, it's there's a lot of people I think that out there that just love their football and they'll do what it takes. Me, on the other hand, I've got the MLB at bat premium, so that's a hundred and twenty nine dollars. So I could watch every baseball game, but of course I'm T-Mobile subscriber, so it's free. Yeah, so why not? Yes, um, why not? But I would—I I actually talk with my wife every season. Is this the season that I'm going to drop that hundred and thirty bucks to get this? <laughs> T-Mobile keeps making it, so I don't have to. Um, in video game news, this is kind of funny. Quantum Break, which is looking to just be an awesome game. I want to get it for Xbox One. Uh, it's it's kind of a third-party, over-shoulder shooter game, uh, but where you can actually manipulate time, which adds a whole new element to gameplay. Um, I'll probably go out and get it. I'll definitely not get it for PC, and I definitely won't get it pirated because... Well, actually, I might. It might be funner. Yeah, I just said funner. More fun. More fun. If you pirate the game, the main character is wearing an eye patch the entire time. Now, we've talked about, like, clever ways that video game studios are, like, trying to discourage piracy. I think there's one, like, software developer tycoon where you get to a certain point in the game and you just start losing everything because of piracy, which is hilarious. But I love that they're turning the character into a freaking pirate. The problem is, is that this is like a feature that people who buy the game might want. <laughs> it seems yeah. odd to me that piraters might be getting a better copy of the game. Piraters, yeah. Pirates might be getting <laughs> a better copy of the game than people who actually paid for it. Well, if you stop too and think about it, if they took the time to code in an uh, eye patch, what else did they code in? Yeah, good point. 
I, I, is it going to, after 20 hours of play, fry your hard drive? I mean, <laughs> what else could it do? Who knows? I remember uh, Batman Arkham Asylum, the first of the Arkham games. If you had a pirated copy, you couldn't glide, which was a big problem when you reached a certain level in the game where you had to do nothing but glide. Basically, you just fell to your death constantly. So if you pirated, you couldn't get past a certain level. That's awesome. Well, see, that makes sense to me as a broken feature. Yes, it it really does make the game unplayable. So, I don't know, but, this just seems kind of weird. But you got to do it far enough into the game that people are going to get pissed and go buy the game because they want to finish it. True, very Which true. Which is awesome. <laughs> All right, well, into our favorites this week. Mine is brand new. It's piping hot off the presses. Uh, just tonight, actually, at the MTV Awards, they released some new footage. Evidently, they're taking uh, a lot of the criticism about Batman v Superman very seriously over at uh, Warner Brothers and they've added some new reshoots and some new humor into the Suicide Squad. This is trailer number two. This is the UK release of the trailer number two. It's looking like it's going to be fun. Really fun. I don't know if it's going to be good or not. I almost don't care, but it looks like it's going to be fun. And uh, to be Perfectly honest, I think it's about time we had some fun DC. Well, you know, there's been a lot of talk with DC that they're not allowed to have fun in their movies. They're not allowed to joke. They're not allowed to to do any of that. So it's a nice change. It's a nice Very change. Very much so. Yep. Uh, my favorite this week is actually something that I felt strongly enough about that I wrote an article up on Stolen Droids about. Uh, But the video itself was actually my favorite. And it talks about the golden age of animation for Superman, specifically referring to the Fleischer Brothers cartoons from, uh, I believe, the 1940s, early 1940s. And... If you've not seen these, they are glorious in so many ways. They are absolutely wonderful. But I think that they really set the tone for who Superman is as a character in pop culture. And I did did a quick little write-up on it. Uh, if you want to read it, great. If not, you know, whatever. But the video is really the focus of my favorite this week. And so check it out. It's about seven minutes long. And it really gives you a good insight to those early 1940s Superman cartoons. And uh, mine is the awesome episode of uh, How It Should Have Ended, which is the Star Wars Force Awakens edition. Um, And it's got some uh, awesome kind of twists on how it really should have ended. It was cool. Check it out. (laughs) I, I like how you did that, Colin. You just, yep, it's how it should have ended. Right. It's all in the title. It's a very self-explanatory <laughs> show. Pretty much. Good on them. All right. Well, that is our show this week. Um, let us know what you're thinking. Give us an email, feedback at stolendroids.com. Uh, give us a call at 801-917-GEEK. Or, or, you know, send us a message on Twitter, Facebook. Send us a voicemail. We will not read your thoughts. So you got to write in and email us if you want no, if you want a backstory behind that just listen to uh, this week's uh, 
Generic Geek Podcast, episode 14. But anyway, until next time, cheers. Good day. Hello. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.